0: When Jesus came, he preached the good news. He preached good news. It's not sad news. It's not poor news. It's good news. How many of you like good news? You like good news? Okay. Anybody likes bad news? You know, you have enough bad news from the world, right? The world keeps telling you bad news. But Jesus came to proclaim the good news. In fact, the gospel, the meaning of the gospel, if you understand the Greek, it just doesn't mean good news. It means too good to be true. Too good to be true. You're believing a news that is so good that seems unbelievable. It's unbelievably good. You believe in a good news that is unbelievably, unbelievably good. Uh, You know, in the economics world, they say when the supply is more, uh, you know, People lose interest. When, because of the oversupply of the gospel, we've, we've become too familiar. We've lost the, what's the word? Yeah, we've lost the edge. We've forgotten that it's too good to be true. especially for Christians who are born Christians and who have, you know, born and brought up in a Christian family, we forget what it means to be delivered from the power of darkness. But somebody who has just tasted the goodness of the Lord, you see their lives. Oh man, they don't care what's happening in the world. They don't care what's happening in a career life. They don't care what's happening in their bank account. They don't care about all of that. A new born again believer is so in love with God because he realizes, he realizes the, the intensity to which he has been brought into. He realizes that he was brought from the kingdom of darkness and he is brought into the kingdom of light. And to walk in the kingdom of light is like, wow, this is like amazing. we become too familiar with god we become too familiar with the name jesus that we are walking in the light but that passion somewhere that passion to know him ah uh, yeah we can get too caught up in the religiosity of just doing things that we lose the essence of what we truly believe The good news of Jesus. The message of the cross is good news. It is foolishness to those who are perishing, but it is the power of God. Say with me the power of God. God. The good news is the power of God. Your prime minister has a lot of power. He can say one thing and the entire nation has to follow it. Can you imagine the power of God? Huh? The power of God who created not just the earth, who created the solar system, who created the Milky Way galaxy, who is like the creator of the cosmos. The gospel is the power of God and Wait a minute, what, what were you complaining about? I hear complaints about, what is it? Not getting the promotion. For, for the good news of Jesus, the message of cross is the power of God unto salvation. Power of God. Do you think you have experienced all that God has for you? We are touching the surface, just scratching the surface. I'll tell you what has happened. What has happened with Christians who are born and brought up, we have scratched the surface far too long, haven't gone deeper, because of which we have got tired. And we think that's all there is. I'm telling you, the tip of the iceberg that you see is just this much. There's a huge mountain beneath it. Turn to your neighbor and say, you haven't seen it yet. There's a lot more to experience. Come on, look into their eyes and say, you have to experience a lot more. Isn't that good news? God has good news for your life. The power of God to become a reality in your life. I never see when I read the Gospels, Jesus getting upset about, oh, Peter tax Barnada. Oh, Peter, it's 31st July, we have to pay tax. (laughs) So, I'll tell you a story. Jesus, for those of you who don't believe that Jesus had money, uh, Jesus had a treasurer. You know, a treasurer is somebody who keeps money. So, if you don't think that Jesus had money, Jesus obviously had money. Otherwise, why would you keep keep an accountant, keep a treasurer? So he had money. But once what happened was they had to pay tax. So Jesus tells Peter, Peter, go fish. And from the first fish that you find, there will be a coin. And that coin will be enough to pay, your, pay our taxes. Now my question is, why did Jesus send Peter to fish when he had a treasure and they had money in the money bag? You know why? Say show off. (laughs) You know, sometimes when you're too hooked onto your bank account, God purposely does not fill your bank accounts just to show off in your life. You know, He is too jealous. He's too jealous And he wants to prove it to you time and time again. He's done it with me. Sam, that bank account is not your source and supply. I am your source and supply. See, even if you had like 10 10 crores of rupees, okay, just imagine you have like 10 crores of rupees and you have all your ATM cards, but you're stuck in the wilderness. What will that money do? Can you do anything with that money? If you're If you're hungry, if you're thirsty, can you do anything with that money? We put too much emphasis on money. Right? Our entire life revolves around money, isn't it? Why we educate ourselves, 12, 14 years of school, 3 years of bachelor's, for some like me, 4 years of bachelor's, and then 2 years of master's, and we're still studying, and then we're, you know... Then we get into a job and then the whole rat race of the corporate, never satisfied. All that we do in our life revolves around money. God has delivered you from money. Do you believe that? God has delivered you from money. That's the good news of Jesus. He has delivered you from everything that enslaves you, including money. When the Israelites were stuck in the wilderness, they had all the gold, the silver. What can you buy? And they are hungry. God sent manna. And when they wanted meat, God sent meat. When they wanted water, God spoke to the rock and water came. I'm saying, what is impossible in your life that God cannot do? What is impossible in your life that God cannot do? What are we truly worried about? Oh, man. What are we truly worried about? In the world, in the world, it feels like if you're not worried, you're not matured. You're not not a serious guy. You're not worried, bro. You need to be stressed out. In the world, maturity looks like being serious. Being matured means to worry about finances. Worry about what will I do after five years? What will I do? What's my 10-year plan? But in the kingdom, maturity looks like to be a child. To be childlike, trusting God. That's what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6. Why do you worry? Saying, what shall we eat? What shall we wear? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow they nor reap. Look at the lilies. Yet Heavenly Father clothes them. Yet Heavenly Father feeds the birds. Can you believe if you are God's children, do you think God wants you to remain hungry? When you were born, how many of you, when you were born, the moment you got out of your mother's womb, you were worried if your parents had enough finances to feed you? You were stressed out the moment you were born. Mom, are you feeding me toned milk or full cream? (laughs) Do you have the money? Can you imagine, just imagine just just imagination, you know. Be childlike. A baby comes out of the womb and the first thing the baby asks the daddy is, do you have money? <laughs> or oh, the baby is really stressed out, panic attack. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Oh man, that's how we behave. That's how we behave with our Heavenly Father. And that's because we don't realize that our supply is connected to an unlimited source. Our supply is connected to an unlimited source. But here's the thing. Every time we worry, we are choking that supply. So just imagine with me, okay? If, if you're all sitting here on the earth and there's a supply from heaven, a big pipe that is connected into our lives, a big pipe, okay, a, a huge strong pipe from heaven that is flowing into our lives, the supply of heaven into your life, right? Now, the devil can't do anything with that. He can't touch that supply. But what he can do is he can throw stress and worry at you so that you can choke that pipe. Because once you're stressed out, you're not looking upward for the supply, you're looking you're looking inward and you're looking for, oh, what will I do? What will I do? And you're, then you're striving, you're stressing out, you're sweating it. To eat from the sweat of your brow was a curse that Jesus delivered you specifically from on the cross. You no longer had to eat after sweating. Work is a blessing. Please understand this. Work is a blessing because God has given a purpose into each one of our lives to become a blessing. Not just for ourselves but for everybody. So work is a blessing because it has a purpose. But the sweat that comes with it, that's a curse. Not by striving. Effortlessly. Not by striving effortlessly. You have to live your life effortlessly. If you're not living a life effortlessly, oh Lord, you need deliverance today. Christian life is is not an easy life. Do you know that? Christian life is an impossible life. Say with me, Christian life Come on, with more conviction. Christian life life. is an impossible life. Only one person can live it. His name is Jesus. But the good news is, he can live it through you. He can live the impossible life through you. Jesus can live the impossible life through you. Read with me Psalms 127. This is just the introduction, okay guys. Psalms 127, verse 2. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. What does it say? It is, it is in vain that you rise up early And you work till late night, eating the bread of anxious toil. It is in vain. Vanity. It has no fruit. Vanity. The next verse. For he gives to his beloved sleep. It's not just talking about that he gives his beloved sleep. It's talking about while you sleep he can give. For he gives to his beloved while you sleep. Oh, I need to wake up early, this meeting, you know, this project, competition, stressing me out. He can give to you while you're sleeping. In fact, some of you, all that you need to do is sleep more. You know why? Because the more you're awake, you're just stressing your supply. You're choking your supply by stressing out. When you sleep, he starts working. So rest. When I'm talking about sleep, I'm not talking about just lying on the bed and then stressing out. <laughs> You're closing your eyes, and all that you can think is good, 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 good. When I'm talking about sleep, I'm talking about resting, 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 knowing that your heavenly father has taken care of it. You're putting your trust in the abundant supply of His goodness. You wake up, not with anxiety. <sighs> I don't know how today is going to look like. You wake up with this confident expectation that God is good and He's going to reveal His goodness today. So you wake up excited, knowing, I, man, today is going to be amazing. I just don't know how it's going to happen, but I know it's going to happen. God is going to come through. Amen? When, when Elijah was running away from Queen Jezebel, after performing this crazy miracle of calling down fire, he's running away. He's scared because Queen Jezebel is after his life. And the angel of the Lord wakes him up and says, Eat. And then he says, Sleep. And then wakes him up again and says, Eat. And then he says, Sleep again. hallelujah the uh, the formula for supernatural breakthrough in your life three things write it down are you ready first one is eat I'm telling you this is this is like divine wisdom guys first one is eat second one is sleep and third one is laugh Eat, sleep, laugh. If you can do this, you will always live in the supernatural abundant supply of God. Eat, sleep, laugh. Now here's my thing. Don't be carnal. So listen to it as a spiritual person because you're spiritual. Amen. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, give us our daily bread, what comes to our mind? Oh, give us our daily bread. Lord, just give me enough for today so that I'll stay humble. We're thinking carnally. When he says, give us our daily bread, he's not just talking about physical bread. He's not really talking about physical bread. He says, give us a daily bread because man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So when he says daily bread, what is he talking about? The word of God. Give me my, give us our daily bread. Give us the word for my daily needs, for my daily supply. Give me the word. That's the prayer. That's the prayer that Jesus asked his disciples to pray. Give us our daily bread. That means every day without fail, you should eat. Every day, without fail, you should eat. Eat your daily bread. Jesus has bread for you every day for that day's need. Eat your bread. Without bread, where will you find the strength to fight the adversity, to fight the challenges of the day? You need to eat. Feast on God's word. Every day. And I'm telling you, every day God can give you unique revelations that will blow your mind, that will that will posture your heart to move from a higher frequency than a low frequency. A low frequency is, I don't know what's going to happen. You're anxious and you're stressed out. High frequency is like, man, I'm confident of God's goodness. That doesn't happen just by you becoming positive. You know, this whole thing about positive confession and positive thinking, It doesn't happen like that. It happens by the word. Because you're a spiritual being. It's not a mental exercise that you do it. It has to be a spiritual exercise. The word is the food to your spirit. You're a spiritual being. So, spend time with God's word. Spend time hearing what he has to say. Because you shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Every day, I'm telling you, every day you can receive a unique revelation from God. You can hear God's voice every day. If you posture your heart, if you are hungry to hear His voice, you can hear Him. Because He only gives to those who are hungry, He doesn't give to those who are overfed. Too many overfed Christians. He gives food to those who are hungry. Amen. What's the next one? Sleep. You you have to sleep. You have to find enough time to rest in God's presence. See, the author of Hebrews says, do everything that it takes to enter into the rest. Meaning work hard. It's an oxymoron statement. To work hard so that you will enter the realm of rest. Rest is a realm and you enter it by faith. You do everything that it takes to stay in that realm of rest. Resting does not just mean closing your eyes and sleeping. Resting means posturing your heart, posturing your heart to stay in the goodness of God. It is not, resting is not passive. Resting is active participation in the goodness of God. Active participation. Lord, I believe that you're good. I know that you're good. I'm not getting a cap, but I know that you're good. I'm getting late to a meeting, but I know that you're good. Amen. It's going to turn out for my good. At every hook and, you know, at every corner, cut and corner, every every circumstance, a change of circumstance, you are confident of God's goodness. Amen. Amen. It's resting. Ah. <sighs> Finally, laugh. Laugh. The Bible says the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is our strength. So you need to laugh. Now here's my thing. When I said eat, who eats? Who eats? Do you eat or do you wait for the Holy Spirit to... (laughs) Mokhol! Do you eat? You take the initiative of eating? So when I said sleep, do you wait for the Holy Spirit to force you into sleeping? or You take the initiative. But when it's about laugh, you wait for the Holy Spirit. (laughs) No. I love what Pastor Ankit said. He said, For God, it was easy to part the Red Seas than parting these two lips. (laughs) We don't have a problem eating. We don't have a problem sleeping. But I'm serious. I'm matured. I'll tell you something funny. So, you know, for a couple of weeks I've been praying about church. I'm praying about you guys. Now I've been praying, Lord, it's time that you increase the church. And the Lord gave me a verse. It's Isaiah chapter 54. Isaiah chapter 54, verse 1. Says, sing, O barren one who did not bear, break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not been in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than the children of her who is married, says the Lord. So this is a promise God gives to women who are barren, who haven't given birth. The promise is the children of the desolate one will be more than the children of those who are married. What a promise. Huh? Great promise. I loved it. So what did I do? There's an app. I put it on that and I kept meditating on it. Weeks passed by. Kept meditating. While I'm sleeping, I'm meditating. While we are on this trip, I'm meditating. And I'm reading it again. Sing, O Balan, what? who did not bear, break forth into singing, cry aloud, you who have not been in labor, for the children of the desolate one will be more than the children of hers whose marriage says the Lord, I'm meditating, meditating, confessing, 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 meditating. And one day the light bulb just turned on. Sing. I've not been singing. I've not been singing. I've been confessing the word. I've been meditating on it. But all that this word tells me is to sing. I've not been singing. But I'm holding on to that verse. I'm proclaiming it, confessing it, meditating it, listening to it night and day. But it's not going to happen unless I don't sing. Just imagine. Genesis chapter 12. God calls Abraham and he says, Get out of your... Get out of your kindred, get out of your family, come and follow me and I'll make you a blessing to nations, right? Paraphrasing, paraphrasing the promise. Now just imagine Abraham heard the voice of the Lord, he was like, amen to that. And he writes it on his journal, confesses it day and night. going to be a blessing. But he does not obey what the Lord told him to. What do you think is going to happen? If you can just, just obey what it says, just obey what it says. It's a different topic for a different day. But So the words that I got was, the word that I got was, sing. So I started singing. Sing, O barren one who did not bear, break forth into singing and cry aloud. You know, I'm finishing Sam's, the book of Psalms every, every month. I finish it at least once. And all throughout the Psalms, one common theme that is repeated again and again is, Shout aloud with joy. You know how many times it says that in the Bible? I haven't counted, but it's it's a frequent, frequent theme. Shout. Shout aloud with joy. Make joy. A joyful noise unto the Lord. Some of us have got the word. When when you were when you were worried, God, God gave you the word, rejoice, rejoice in the Lord always, and all that you're doing is confessing. Rejoice in the Lord always, rejoice in the Lord always, rejoice in. You're not doing it. And maybe that's where you need to begin with meditation, not neglecting meditation. But unless that meditation turns into an action. That work of faith in the word is not complete. See, what does God tell Joshua? He says, do not let the book of the Lord depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. Why should you meditate on it day and night? So that you may do everything according to what it says. So the end result of why we meditate, why we confess God's word is to do. Is to do. But if you're not doing it, Rejoice in the Lord. What's the verse that you got? Rejoice in the Lord always. How can I say rejoice? Wow, what a verse. So you need to start practicing. Just as much as you eat God's word, intentionally rest in God's presence, you have to posture your heart to laugh. Laugh. In fact, in the Old Testament, you will see whenever these Israelites face an impossible circumstances. They are put in an impossible circumstance where they know that their knives, swords, technology will not be able to deliver them from the enemy that is coming against them. When they are surrounded by enemies and they know that nothing of their strength is going to help them. You know what they will do? They'll put their swords, everything down, and rejoice in the Lord. Some of you need to put your education down. The pride that we have in our education, the pride that we have in our career. And you'll see God immediately turning around your circumstances. Now, when I say, I'm, I'm saying immediate turnaround. It doesn't take days, immediate turnaround. Because, because to, to put our swords and the things that we take so much pride on to put that down is a sign of humility and saying, God, ah, if you're not with me, I'm just going to die. Amen. Intentionally, guys. We have to intentionally be in that posture where we rejoice in the presence of God. In spite, in spite of what the circumstances are. whether the circumstances are favorable or not, we don't care. Our, our, we are not, our, our posture is not defined by circumstances. Our posture is defined by who God is and He is great, He is good, and I love him and because He loves me and I know for sure that this is going to turn around, I have full confidence in Him. So I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to rejoice. Yeah, 31st July is tomorrow. I still need to pay taxes. I don't have the money to pay taxes, but I'm still going to rejoice. That's not going to take my joy. You won't understand that now. (laughs) Amen. Eat, sleep, laugh. Rejoice in the presence of God. Rejoice. So... If you're married, if you can do it with your wife, that's amazing. Or your spouse, husband. But if you're not married, close your doors. Put on some good praise songs. And rejoice. Rejoice. While growing up, I only knew the Mr. Bean Dunce, you know. But <laughs> I'm just saying, if you can rejoice in the presence of God. Amen. Rejoice in the presence of God. You know this man of faith, Smith Wig- 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 Smith Wigglesworth. Oh man, Smith Wigglesworth! I'm already drunk in the <laughs> spirit. Smith Wigglesworth. They were interviewing him, and they asked him, uh, "What's your routine look like?" And he said, "The moment he wakes up, he jumps out of the bed, and he does high-speed dancing for ten to fifteen minutes." Do you know what's high-speed dancing is? You want to show? (laughs) High-speed dancing. (laughs) So we went for this, you know, church growth conference, and all the pastors were there dancing and running around. I got tired after one lap, and I told one pastor, I don't mind dancing, but you need stamina too. (laughs) But it just postures your heart. It just pushes your heart, takes you from a low frequency of stress into high frequency of just believing in God. Man, I know that God is good. God is good. I, haven't, I, I don't even know what, what the day looks like, but I just know it. God is good. I'm going to rejoice. I'm, I'm going to be glad. This is going to be amazing. Oh, man. You're rejoicing as if you have like 10 crores in your account. Amen. So, eat, sleep, and laugh. You have to laugh. Don't wait for the Holy Spirit to do something in your mouth. You have to laugh. You have to practice. You have to practice. Amen. Just as much intentional you become in feeding God's word and in resting in God's goodness, laugh, rejoice, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, you know when Paul wrote that, he was not writing from a comfortable five-star hotel drinking iced tea. He wrote when he was chained and risen. His circumstances were bad. He himself is in a bad situation. But he says rejoice because there's a reality in God If you can tap into that reality, it will override and overcome the physical circumstances that you're in. That your mind can be completely dwell in that presence that is so intoxicating. Oh man, you can get so addicted to God's presence that you don't care. I didn't get a cab, I'll walk. Have you seen happy people? I'll show you how happy people are. You know, normal people walk like this. I was, I, was, I, was telling, I was telling Sammy the other day because Sammy is too excited, too happy to get married. So, so, so guys, so this is how Sammy walks, okay? Because this is how happy people walk. That's how you walk. Why? Because you're excited. You're excited. But that, that picture to the world, it feels like, man, what childish behavior. But in the kingdom, to be childlike is maturity. To be childlike is maturity. Amen. <laughs> you know, children, they they, they get offended, but, the, you know, the faster they get offended, the faster they have, you know, they get over it also. Oh, katti cutti, abba, abba, but we will take an offense. We will take an offense. Keep it at it. Keep it. Nurture it. I'll take to Keep it as a pet. Feed it. No, you stay here. Mummy will take care of you. <laughs> keep nurturing it be childlike amen be childlike oh gosh i had a different sermon plan man <laughs> sing oh man rejoice we have to learn to learn to rejoice in the presence of our father to be absolutely childlike amen because our supply our source and supply is him it's not our boss, it's not our company, it's him. Yes. Amen. Yes. And you know, and you know, when you when you when you live from that place of abundance and goodness, knowing that your life is taken care of, nothing can hold you. No challenge can hold you, nothing can keep you enslaved. Amen. Let me show you something. Oh, flow, Psalms chapter 2. Mm. Psalm chapter 2. Let's read verse 2. Is it on? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us burst their bonds apart. And cast away their cords from us. The entire nations of the world has come against the Lord and is anointed. Okay, so imagine a scenario where the entire nations with their technology and their armies have come against you. You're single, you're standing alone. But look at how God responds. Verse 4. He who sits in the heavens cries. Is afraid, is worried, is anxious. What does he do? He who sits in the heavens laughs. When the enemy is making plans against you, Lord is laughing. (laughs) When will these guys learn? So when you laugh at the problems that are coming against you, you are imitating your Father in heaven. When you intentionally laugh, huh? When you've laid off from your company, maybe because of your own stupid mistake, but even in that, you know, God has delivered us from stupidity too. Even in that, you can look at that circumstance and laugh. You're imitating God who is in heaven. Laugh. So just don't confess that word. Laugh. Amen. Amen. With joy you will draw out from the well of salvation. With joy. Not with weeping. With joy. So there's, there's salvation deposited within you. The moment you said yes to Jesus... God has just posited the gift of salvation within you. It's not coming from heaven. It's within you. But how you draw out from that salvation is with joy. Amen. So draw. Draw it out. You want to draw? You draw it with joy. Rejoicing in the Lord. Amen. Make sure you have these three things every day in your life eating, feeding on God's word, sleeping, resting in His goodness, laughing, rejoicing in His presence. Every day. Every single day. You know why? Because we don't want to give foothold to the enemy. We don't want to give foothold to the enemy. The enemy is defeated, he is destroyed. Once and for all, he has been defeated and destroyed. Is it true? See, uh, a couple of weeks back, you know, when we were praying in the office, I saw this vision. And it it was actually a word of knowledge for somebody and it was a time of deliverance. But I'm just telling you what I saw in the vision. The vision I saw was there's a snake, snake on the floor. And that snake is creating havoc in people's life. But the moment people stand firm they realize that the snake is just under their feet. It's when they move from their place because of stress. When they're trying in their own strength to do something, the snake is left free and he brings havoc. But the moment you stand firm look at the sole of your shoes you'll see snake fangs there. Because the devil is underneath your feet. He's not at your level. He's not superior to you. He is underneath your feet. Romans 16 verse 19, the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. Now Jesus has crushed Satan. Now that crushed Satan needs to be crushed by you. You know, somebody asked me if Jesus already crushed Satan. Then why are we still facing all of these issues? Because, say with me, show off. (laughs) God wants to show off to the cosmos that my children can crush the devil. He crushed the devil, took off all the fangs, nothing, you know, took off all the power, and he's like, yele, you also crush it. And we are like... (laughs) What should you do? Crush it. Crush it it again. The devil is like a roaring lion. He is not the roaring lion. He he pretends to be like a roaring lion. (laughs) He's like a roaring lion. He'll not bite. But you need to stand firm. Stand firm on what Jesus has done. Stand firm on the finished work of Christ. When Jesus was dying on the cross, he said one word. In Greek it says, it's not Greek, Aramaic it says, which means it is finished. It is finished. All your problems are finished once and for all. All your sins are finished once and for all. All your sickness is finished once and for all. So once it is finished, don't let it come up. It is finished. It is finished. Stand firm. Hold your ground. In the battle, the stance that the warrior takes is the, is the one that gives him mobility so that he can, you know, he can escape the attacks of the enemy. But in the kingdom, the stance that your father has gave you is to stand firm. Don't move, stand firm. You don't have to move. You don't have to worry. You don't have to look, oh, where is the attack going to come from? Just stand firm in the finished work of Christ. The victory is yours! It's already yours! Just imagine going for a cricket match and you already know the end result of the game. If I'm going to play and I already know my team has won, that's the end result, you know, because the match is fixed. Your match is fixed, guys! Your match is fixed! So, play freely! Play as if all the balls are no, 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 what's, what's the, the no, 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 the no ball they say. Free hit, yes. Play as if all the balls are free hits. How will you play if all the balls are free hits? See, I've seen the posture of batsmen, okay? When it's not free hit, they play very defensive. But when it's free hit, they play aggressive because they know that can't get out. None of the, you know, outs, the rules apply to them. So they can feel, they can play freely. So they play aggressively. Play aggressively, guys. You know why? Match is fixed. You won. Play freely. Live freely. Live freely. Because Jesus has delivered you from that. Live freely. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, the blessing of the Lord. Understand this. The blessing of the Lord is not to have more money. The blessing of the Lord is to get free. Free from the bondage of money. It's to be free from the bondage of money. When you're free from the bondage of money, if you have to pay tax, you just need to catch a fish. If you want to drink water, you just need to speak to the rock. Why? Why? You don't care about money. But if you have money, you use it. Money just becomes a tool. Money no longer becomes your master. The blessing of the Lord is upon your life. Is upon your life. Has freed you, delivered you from everything. (laughs) Jesus has delivered you from yourself. How many of you thank Jesus for delivering you from your stupidity? (laughs) From your... (laughs) Oh, man. You know, I'll tell you once. Mm. I was supposed to go to South Korea. And for some reason, I just procrastinated in my application that it was right at the edge where my application got accepted. And... You know, there was a doubt if it will come before I need to fly out, if the visa would get stamped. And I'm like stressing out, really stressing out because somebody had invited us, right? I, I, if it was my money, I would have said, oh, you know what, next time. But someone else has in, had invited us and they had planned an entire itinerary. I was supposed to play in that band. So I was really stressed out, like really stressed out. I went and I knelt in front of the Lord and I said, Lord, please in your grace, will you overlook my stupidity? Oh Lord. And the good news is, you might have got yourself in this situation because of your mistakes. Or you might have got yourself in this situation because of somebody else's mistakes or somebody else intentionally put you there. But can I tell you, the good news is, Jesus has delivered you. Jesus has delivered you once and for all. You are delivered. You are set free. You are set free. You are set free from the love of money. You are set free from sickness. You are set free from this habitual sin that is tormenting you. You are set free from anything and everything that has a name and that does not have a name. You are set free. You are set free. You are set free. I'm telling you guys, you are set free. The good news of Jesus is that you are set free. Now it's one thing just to be set free. It's a whole different thing. My Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 that when Jesus became alive, right? He died, then He became alive. When He became alive, you became alive. When you became alive, He raised you up in Jesus. Together with Jesus. As Jesus was raised up, you were also raised up with Him. And then... God made you sit with Him at the throne. You are seated with Jesus. This is not something that is going to happen after you die. It's already done. Spiritually, your position is is seated at the right hand of God. You are seated at the right hand of your heavenly Father. Because you're seated at the right hand of God. The Bible says that seat is far above Every power, far above every principality. Man, I don't think we understand this. Far above, I'm saying, take all the power of the world, all the nuclear power, all the, all the authority, all the nation's authority. You are far above every power, every principality. You had the same authority that God has. Same authority. And do you, do you understand how foolish of us to be worried about food. To be worried about the next promotion. To be worried about a relationship issues. When God has delivered you, has set you free. And he can restore what needs to be restored. Good news of Jesus. Good news of Jesus. The blessing of the Lord is upon you. The blessing of the Lord is not upon your bank account because your bank account somebody can steal it. But the blessing of the Lord is upon you. Is upon you. It has come upon you. Come upon you. Amen. Come on, let's do this declaration. Just put your hand in your over your heads. Just put your hand over your heads and say, "Thank you Jesus for the blessing of the Lord has come upon me." Thank you Jesus. For the blessing of the Lord has come upon me. I shall never be fruitless. I shall never be dry. I shall never be fainting. I will always be fruitful and will always be blessed. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. 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 When God created man, the first thing that He told them was, be blessed. He blessed them. Amen. And then He said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. Being fruitful is not just to have children. The Indians took it seriously, but (laughs) being fruitful is to be productive. Is to have a purpose. Is to become a man and woman of value. Now if God did not bless them and He simply said be fruitful, that's unfair. But He blessed them. Because it is in the blessing God has given you the power to become fruitful. Are you getting this? He has blessed you. Whatever God tells you to do, He tells you because He has already empowered you to do it. He has blessed you. So be fruitful. Amen.